Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Today we are in for a real treat. Our friends that we've been friends with for 18 years, you know, sometimes a lot of people don't have lasting friendships because they don't invest in a friendship. Uh, we have invested in this friendship. We stay strong. Kevin is on our board of directors, uh, Kevin and Melissa both, and uh, we're so blessed. Uh, we talk um, almost every other day, if not every day, Kevin and I, and uh, how's it going? What can we pray about? How are you doing? You're treating your wife right? You're not kicking the dog? All those things, you know, somebody get in your face and talk about those things. And so everybody needs somebody like that. So we are so honored and so blessed today to welcome Pastor Kevin. Would you get on your feet and give him a warm welcome yeah. to the Father's house? Hey, buddy. Love you, man. How y'all doing today? That sounds good. Didn't you love that worship? I love your worship team. Doing a great job. I thought for a moment I wasn't going to have to preach. She got with it right there. I thought, well, there's the message. Let's just move out of here and just have a good time with lunch. Good to see your smiling faces. Great to be back with our Leesburg family. And uh, love being here. Love your pastors. Pastor Terry, as he says, we've been friends for 18 years. Uh, the moment we met him, we loved them. And uh, it, as he said, we speak all the time, regularly. And uh, I was talking about friendship this last week, and I told my wife, Terry Mahan has become one of the best friends I've ever had in my life. And uh, as you get older, you realize friendships are very important and they're vital. And I'll tell you now, you're blessed. You're blessed to have a pastor because we get to travel. We get, yeah, come on, just give it up for him. Look at that. Don't even have, have to ask you. Don't even have to ask you. That's good. We get to travel uh, just all, all kinds of churches and conferences, and you'd be surprised uh, that the pastors that complain about their people, complain about what God has called them to do, but your pastor always speaks so highly of your church, who you are, you as people, and I highly respect that in them, and I love the fact there's people who love their people the way we love our people at the Rock Church, and, and we know we have those joining us online today. Thank you so much for being with us. We're going to try to remember to include you without the chorus of this message. And uh, I, I, I would be remiss not to mention there is one very, very special person in the room. Uh, that is my wife, Melissa, sitting right there in the front row. Yeah. I, I, I met her when she was young. We started dating when she was 15. And here we are, and we're older than 15 and 17 now. I won't tell you how old we are. I was 17 when we started dating, and she was 15. I'll be 58 in March, so I won't tell you how old she is, but if you're good at math... You've got it all <laughs> figured out by now. And so uh, we have four grandchildren and two children, and we love the fact they're all right there with us. But we love being with you. I don't like traveling without her because she just makes me look better. Amen. Can we just pray over the word? Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for your word, God. We know that you're, you've placed your word even above your name. So we come now to participate in your word, to receive of your word that which you have for us today. Father, we thank you that every heart that is here is open. All the ears are open to receive it into their spirit. We give you the thanks and the praise in the name of Jesus. Come on, everyone say amen. amen. We are on the brink of closing out the year of 2020. 
I mean, could it throw anything else at us? It has thrown everything that we can imagine. The other day I saw a sign that, was, that, that read, uh, sell, it's supposed to read, sell cookies for Santa, and it literally said, sell cookies for Satan. And I thought maybe we should pray and that that is a typo and not a season finale. How about that? We just need to pray that that was a typo and, and that 2020 don't have a season finale waiting on us. But it has been one of those things that has caused a lot of pain and a lot of lives. Uh, we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, how many of you would say that during this season you have felt some stress? Can you say that? Just participate with me. You felt some stress. Hands going up all over the place. I'm not sure that we can blame that on the year of 2020. Whether you're here, if you're online, I'm not sure that the stress we experience, the things that we're going through, we can blame it on the year of 2020. We want to blame it on racial tension. We want to blame it on the coronavirus. We want to blame it on a messed up election, we, right? We want to blame it on the fact that we're homeschooling those kids. You remember when they were your kids, now they're your spouse's kids, y'all remember that? We, we want to blame it on those things, you know, bills are stressing us, deadlines are stressing us, lack of family time, lack of vacations, it's all been pulled back, and we want to blame it on all those things, but I truly believe that we have to look at ourselves, that the credit card didn't jump out of our pocket and charge itself, that the size of our payment of our home or our car didn't happen by itself, that you agreeing to the deadline of the project, come on, you said you could get it done and maybe you bit off more than you can chew. Maybe part of it's procrastination. Instead of doing the job, you're playing video games, you're watching reality TV because you're working from home. I mean, we can say a lot of things, but here's what I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is still God, amen? God is still God. So the, the problem we have, I'm convinced the average person has when they go through stressful times, when they feel pressure, is a lack of margin. They lack a margin within their life. They lack that area that's necessary so they have some, somewhat to play with things in their schedule or, or in their finances. For instance, if it takes me 20 minutes to get somewhere and I have 30 minutes to get there, I have 10 minute margin. Amen, is that correct? And if I have $100 in my pocket, but I have $80 worth of bills, then I have a $20 margin in my account. Can you say amen? So if we take the time to study the formula, we'll start to see where we're wasting our margin. We'll start to see the areas and exactly why we are freaking out. Come on, look at someone and say, don't freak out. Come on, those of you online, look at your spouse, look at someone and say, don't freak out. You gotta participate as well. I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we have to say beyond, our, beyond, our, beyond ourselves and into our marriage, into our family, into our finances, we must establish margin. Let, let me explain this and define margin as the amount accessible beyond what's essential. The amount accessible beyond what is essential. Write this in your notes. If you're taking notes and history makers are note takers, so make sure you're taking notes. Write this down though. A person don't have the right to say that God is silent as long as their Bible is closed. See, some of you have been saying, well, I prayed. God's not listening. God's not answering. I don't hear God's voice. The only way you're going to really hear his voice is if you get into his word because he always speaks according to his word. So you got to have his word hidden in your heart so he can speak to you according to his word, according to his will. Come on, y'all with me? 
And so we have to fill our heart with the word. So a lot of the time, the stress we have, the margin we lack is the fact that we're not spending time with the Father, not spending time with God. So people always have trouble hearing God when their own stress and the voice and the sound of their stress is louder than his voice. And we have to remember that. Everybody say, we need some margin up in here. Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at someone at home and say, we need some margin up in here. <laughs> Here's what I know, and we should all feel this way. I'm too blessed to be stressed. And if you want a title for your notes today, you want to write something down at the head of your notes for a title, write that down. Too blessed to be stressed. As bad as things can be, as much pressure as we can have, we still have the blessings of God. We still have the promises of God that are yes and amen, that, that circumstances around us don't change because of, the, doesn't change the word of God because his word is more powerful than the circumstances around us. In Ephesians chapter five, look at this, verses 15 through 17, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Come on, everyone say, I wanna be wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So it's important to read the scripture as it is. So for you not to consider what God wants from your life, for us not to consider what God has for us and what he wants us to do means that we're living thoughtlessly. Means that we're living in such a way that we're gathering things for ourselves. We're scheduling our appointments. We're, we're doing our own thing by our own willpower. But when you live like the wise, the first question you ask is, what is it that God wants me to do? What is it that God has for me to do? I was created by him for his pleasure. So what is it he has for me in my life today, man? And I really believe that's something that a lot of people do not do in their life. People ask questions such as, is it right? Is it wrong? Is it expensive? How much does it cost? Do I have enough time? But according to the scripture, the real question should be, is it wise? Is it wise for me to take this on? Is it wise for me to spend this time? Is it wise for me to make this investment? Is it wise for me to buy this car? Is it wise? When I bought my truck, and I love my truck, I never owned a pickup, and I don't think I'll ever live without one again. And when I bought my pickup, man, I had one picked out, and my wife said, would that be wise? And I said, is that you, or is that the devil? Get behind me, Satan. And so I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit said, that's not very wise. See, sometimes it's hard to tell if it's my wife or if it's the Holy Spirit. Because the model I wanted, it had everything. You know what I'm saying? The model I wanted, it was going to be, yeah, it was going to be the truck. And so all of a sudden I realized it wasn't that necessary. I'd probably never use the four-wheel drive, all the things. And to this day, it's my baby. It's spotless. I love it. But it was only wise to get the stripped down model. It wasn't cool. Right? And when you're short as me, you got to be cool somehow. <laughs> And it wasn't cool. And so it was wise. I love my truck and it was wise. Everyone say wise. We have to correct our course by correcting our margins. Why? Because a lack of margin will begin to squeeze the important things out of our lives. 
When we start getting into urgent type of thought processes, it will get rid of the important things within our life. And that's what I want to talk about for a few moments today is kind of those things that if we're not careful, a lack of margin will squeeze out of our life. So let's get to these few points I have for you to take them home. Come on, read them, study them, get them in your heart, put them in your small groups. If you're not in a small group, come on, that's where life happens. You should be in a small group. Amen. Look at someone and say, get in a small group. Look back at that person and say, are you in one? <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Here we go. Number one, write this, write this down. A lack of margin will squeeze out our intimate time with God. A lack of margin will squeeze out our intimate time with God. Matthew chapter six is a story probably a lot of us are familiar with the passage we've read before, but here's what it says. If God makes what grows in the field so beautiful, what do you think he'll do for you? It's just grass. One day it's alive and the next day someone throws it into the fire. But God cares enough to make it beautiful. Surely he will do much more for you. Your faith is so small. Don't worry and say, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? That's what those people who don't know God are always thinking about. Don't worry because your father in heaven knows that you need all these things. What you should want most. Everyone, everyone say what I should want most. If the Bible stops to say to me, there's something I should desire the most. If the Bible's going to take the time to say there's something vitally important that you should want the most in your life, I think I need to pay attention. What you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do. There it is again. Always about what God has for us. Always about the will of God. Always about performing the things that God has for us in our life. Then he will give you all the other things that you need. See, if not careful, we work for the things that intimacy with God will just give to us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God is what it's saying, and all these things shall be added. Everyone say added. And so many times we lose our intimacy with God, trying to get the things that we feel like we need or the things that we want. And God said, if you'll just spend time with me, if you'll give me the first part of your life, if you'll give me the first part of your calendar, if you'll give me the first part of your money, if you'll give me the first part of all things, then I'll make sure you have everything you need and I will fulfill the desires of your heart. Amen. Come on, y'all with me. Uh, those of us who are married can remember the time when you were dating that person you're now married to. My wife and I had a long distance relationship because she lived in Arizona and I traveled in the music business and, and was in Nashville, Tennessee. And so back then we would write letters and we, we couldn't wait for the letters. We wrote letters almost every day and every day I'd be at the, I'd be at the mailbox waiting for the letter. Uh, back then, obviously, we didn't have cell phones, didn't even have a, a, a lot of phones we could use. So I carried rolls of quarters around with stopping those old things called pay phones, phone booths. Anyone remember phone booths? All the young people say, what's a phone booth? Oh, hush. Uh, and, and, and we would talk, right? And every conversation would end like this. Okay, I gotta go, I love you. I love you too, hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Come on, y'all remember those days? Who remember those days? If not careful, over the course of time, we lose that edge. We take what we know to be secure for granted, the one we love the most, we think will always be there. Then all of a sudden you say, love you, bye. No, you hang up, click. <laughs> Hello? How many knows what I'm talking about? 
That can happen spiritually as well. Come on, those of you online, are you listening? Those things are important that we understand that our time with God is vital, that we don't take for granted that God's always there. I'm so glad to see this many people in the house today because it's vital to be in the house. Can you say amen? I love it. I love it. So I just want you to know that spiritually can become that. And those of you online, we love you as well. And we know that some of you can't be here, but some of you are choosing not to be here and you could be. Love you. But it's true. We get comfortable and we think for, our, for a moment, I can do church at home. I can do church where I'm at. I can drink my coffee and be in my pajamas. Yes, you can, but don't come to church until you change your clothes. And so, and so it's important to understand we can't replace our intimate time with God. We can't replace that moment that God is speaking to our heart and his word is coming alive in our heart. Amen. Come on, we have to know that. God desires intimacy with those that he loves. Write this down in your notes as well. God wants full custody of his children, not just weekend visits. God wants full custody of his children and not just weekend visits. Number two, here's the second thought I want to give you today. A lack of margin will squeeze out our intentional times of rest. A lack of margin will squeeze out our intentional times of rest. I take Mondays off. I know a lot of pastors that take Fridays off. I take Mondays off strategically because things aren't as busy out when I'm out and about in the mountains or the lake or wherever it's not as busy on Mondays. Secondly, if I go to the office on Monday, I'm gonna fire someone right away. So my staff says, pastor, please take Mondays off. Uh, it's just kind of you're ramped up and amped up from the weekend. And as a pastor, you want everything to be right. So I take Mondays off. Now, my biggest problem with taking Mondays off is Sunday's still in my mind. And if I don't unplug immediately, halfway through the day, I realize I haven't unplugged at all. Come on, y'all with me? My wife and I, we've learned that when we go on our date night, hopefully you have a regular date night. If you don't, you should schedule a regular date night. And on our date night, we've made, we've made it a, a rule. We can't talk about ministry. We can't talk about church. We can't talk about that. And it's hard because our entire life is church. Our friendships are church. Everything's church. And so we, we had to start going to Google finding dating questions that you can ask because your life gets absorbed. And so we, now we ask questions about the future. What do you dream of? What do you see us like in five years? And how are we going to get there? And all those questions that come to mind, because if not, you get absorbed and your intentional times of needing rest or your intentional times of needing to decompress gets absorbed. Come on, are y'all with me? And it's because of a lack of margin. We don't set those things up. And when our relationship with, here, here's what we need to know. When our relationship with God suffers, the next person that suffers truly is not your spouse. It really isn't your family. It really isn't your company. It's you. Those who do not spend intimate time with God rip themselves off. Then other people start getting ripped off. Then other things start getting ripped off. Can, can you say amen? Matthew chapter 11 Verse 28 through 29, or 28 and 29 says this. Come on, online, you got your Bibles out at home. Don't get lazy, get your Bibles out. Make sure you're reading along. Here we go, number, tw number 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you, everyone say it together, rest. I will give you, say it again, rest. How many can say, without lifting your hand, you might need a little rest? 
How many can say in your life, maybe you've been spending all your equity in your emotions, all your energy in your body. Maybe you have no margin, you have no rest, and that's a dangerous point to live in. That's a dangerous point to be. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find, say it again, rest for your souls. Come on, everyone say rest for your souls. How many can use some rest for your souls? That wasn't a trick question, and it should have been every hand. How many can use rest for your souls? We all need rest for our souls. I'm not saying that all of you that lifted your hand are wrong. I'm saying don't ever become wrong and realize you need rest for your souls. One of the biggest dangers in having no margin is we get tired and we get emotionally fragile. We get emotionally fragile. Then we start making permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Right? That, that's what happens. All of a sudden, we quit our job because this is the problem. All of a sudden, someone has a, an affair on their spouse because they've become the problem. Hmm. All of a sudden, we change churches because Pastor Terry isn't deep enough. Well, you ain't talked to him very long then. Come on. Or they start drinking too heavy because they don't want to feel anything at all. And we can go on down the line. It wouldn't be long. I'd come down your lane. Because we all have those things that if we don't rest in our soul, we spend ourselves emotionally, we get tired physically and mentally, and before we know it, the real culprit becomes no margin built into our life. We all need margin in every area of our life, amen? Uh, You know, life wouldn't be the same, and really, we couldn't even live our life the way we know it if it wasn't for batteries. Batteries are incredible, right? They they run our computers, they run our devices, they run our tools, uh, you name it, they run it, man. We we wouldn't know what to do in our vehicles, it's all kinds of, and I think one of the greatest inventions ever is is those little... uh, rechargeable batteries, right? Little, little boxes of energy that, that just power everything up. But, but a rechargeable battery in itself, every now and then has to be plugged back into a power source, has to be regenerated with some energy in order for it to be usable. And usually if it not, it will run out at the worst time. And it's the same thing for us spiritually if we're not careful that we run ourselves thin, we have no margin, we're not resting, we're not spending time with God. Then all of a sudden, when someone needs us the most or, or, or the calendar demands it, we didn't have the margin, we didn't, we didn't plug back into the power source and before we know it, we've run out of emotional energy at the wrong time, amen? Come on, look at someone and say, he's talking to you now. <laughs> God created us with internal reserves. In him we live and move and have our being. We have internal reserves, but just like a battery, we got to plug into the power source. We got to take time to rest. How do we do it? We rest our bodies. We meditate our mental faculties upon the things of God and release those things that aren't necessary. We check our heart for the motives of our success. Are we considering what God wants from us most? Are we considering what we want for ourselves the most? That's that intentional rest I talk about. It's not a laziness. It's not a time just because we want to rest and take a nap. No, we have a purpose behind it. We have a reason we take a moment and we regenerate our spiritual batteries. Can you say amen? Here we go. Write this down. Making sure we rest in him will ensure we don't quit on him. Making sure we rest in him will will ensure that we don't quit on him. That's why so many people think there's a spiritual problem when really you're just tired. Lay down and take a dadgum nap. How about that? 
used to when I struggled and God healed my mind. Some of you know our testimony. I was diagnosed manic depressive bipolar disorder. I was on 1,200 milligrams of lithium a day and under psychiatric care about 27 years ago. And in seven months time, God healed my mind. And one, of the most, and one of the most incredible things is I went off my medication. After that, we lost our son to death in an accident. I didn't have a day of depression or anxiety. God, God healed my mind completely. But the one thing I had to learn is I had to learn to unplug. I had to learn to rest. And when I rested, I had to learn to rest in him. Come on, y'all with me? Taking a nap with no purpose, is, it can just be lazy. But when you lay down and rest in him and meditate upon him, he will give you rest for your soul. Come on, rest for your soul. See, some people take a nap and they wake up just as grumpy and tired as they went to bed. Right? You can kick your feet up on the desk and you can take a nap and you can still wake up grumpy. In fact, you might have been so grumpy if you kick your feet up. Guys, your wife just leaves you there all night long. <laughs> Come on, y'all with me. Everyone say, rest for my soul. Number three, here's the last thing I want to give you today. Number three, a lack of margin will squeeze out our interest in what interests him. It will squeeze out our interest in what interests him. I think that's vital. I think that's major. And let, let me say it again. I know that some of you watching online, you have to watch online. I know some of you have been cleared from the virus and you're getting rid of surgery, so you got to stay clear of the virus. I understand that. I know some of you are vulnerable or you live with vulnerable people or you have people around you who aren't feeling well. I understand that. But to those of you who've just gotten the habit of staying home, I'm telling you now, get to the house of God as soon as you can because the house of God interests him. In fact, if you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, he's always talking to and through the church. Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but, but, but come on, gather, call each other more often as you see the day approaching. And I don't know if you notice or not, if 2020 hasn't got your attention, the day of his coming, hopefully he's approaching soon, amen? Y'all with me? Luke chapter 10, great story, two sisters. Luke chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. But Martha, everyone say Martha. Martha became exasperated. Here, here's what's going on. Jesus has come into their city, and there's two sisters, Martha and Mary. Some of you know the story, and, and they invite Jesus to the house, so Martha gets all concerned Jesus is going to be at the house. Um, I think there's a great thing about the fact that we want to prepare for our guest. I think there's a great thing about the fact that every time my wife says let's clean the house, we have company. I've learned to shove things in closets. Um, pretty sure they're not going to go in the closets. Um, I, I've learned that that's kind of important to a woman. I understand that we want the house clean. We want the best dishes. We want all the stuff. But if we're not careful, we can be so uptight about company that we don't enjoy the company. And that's kind of what's taking place in this story with Martha and Mary. But Martha will become exasperated uh, by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus. Now, now if you start to interrupt Jesus, you might want to have something important to say. I don't ever remember Jesus talking to me when I interrupted him, it ended well. I got a feeling if Jesus is talking, I'm still the student, I'm still the pupil, I should still be listening. Come on, y'all with me. She interrupts Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, 
Why are you upset and troubled? And here it is, pulled away. By all these many, did you know the many distractions you have will pull you away from the interest that really interests Jesus? The thing that Martha was so worried about, Jesus wasn't even interested in. She didn't look in the kitchen. He didn't look in the kitchen. He didn't ask one time, Martha, do you need some help? It was as though he was unconcerned. It wasn't that he was unconcerned, but he knew there was something more vital rather than all these distractions that was pulling Martha away. It's interesting to me that when I get to go to churches across the United States and the world and I come back to Leesburg once a year and every now and then I'll ask about somebody and somebody say, I I haven't seen them a while or it seems like they're only hit and miss now or it seems like, you know what happened? Distractions pull them away. And the distractions, it's not necessarily bad. Martha was doing good things. It wasn't like she was doing bad things. It wasn't like she was doing things that were wrong. She was making sure things were right, but it distracted her from the most important things. Do you know the enemy has no power over us? The enemy cannot make us bad because God through Jesus Christ already made us good. I'm not saying that when you get distracted, you're bad. So the enemy can't make us bad, but because the enemy can't make us bad, what he does is he makes us busy. When when we're not bad and he can't make us bad, he won't make us bad, but he'll make us really, really busy, which pulls us away from that which is most important in our life. Then all of a sudden, these decisions we make, the things that we do, pull away from the things that really interest him. We're no longer interested in what interests him. Come on, y'all with me. So look at this. Martha, my beloved Martha, what did he say? Why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really that important? Mary has discovered he boils it down to one thing. Y'all remember the movie City Slickers? There's one thing. One thing. (laughs) Most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is distracted And I won't take this privilege from her. Martha, upset with all kinds of stuff. Mary boils it down with Jesus to one thing. And look what the key word was. By choosing this, she chose what was best. It's our choices. We choose to either stay interested in what interests him, or we allow the lack of margin to pull us away from our intimate time, Come on, from our rest where our souls are being restored. And all of a sudden now, before we know it, we're no longer interested in what he has become interested in. Write this down in your notes. Jesus guarantees us his presence, but we must make sure that we are present. Jesus guarantees us his presence, but we must make sure we are present. I I love Romans 12, 1 and 2 because it's about renewing my mind. I think it's one of the most crucial things we should do every day throughout the day. My phone goes off twice a day, and there's two reminders every four hours. One says, renew your mind, but it first goes off in the morning with with the initials T-A-W-T-A. That goes off, and it's a tweet that keeps reminding me until I said it, and those initials means think about what you're thinking about. Gather your mind. Make sure you're, you're thinking about the things that's important that God's placed in your life. Get involved with what he's involved in. I have somebody who's been trying to get me to come to Pakistan now for the last seven years. 
They, they're after me constantly. They've finally kind of given up in the last year or so. They want me to come to Pakistan. I said, I prayed about it. God didn't tell me to go to Pakistan. I don't even like going to Leesburg without Jesus. I'm certainly not going to Pakistan without him. Come on, y'all with me? I'm interested only in what he's interested in. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. I'm gonna read the message Bible. I love the way it says it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what he does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Readily recognize what he wants from you and then don't let any grass grow under your feet. If it's what God wants from you, it's what we should really spend our calendar on, our moments on. We should make sure the clock is involved with the things God wants for us. Look, look at it again. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I want to say quickly. My wife will say, honey, will you take the garbage out? And I'll say, yep, I'll get to it. And before long, she'll say, baby, that garbage is full. I know I'm getting to it here in a moment. Next thing I know, she's taking the garbage out. And I'll run over and say, baby, I told you I was going to get to it. She says, yeah, but I need you to do it a little more quickly. Any husbands feeling my pain? Any wives saying amen? Right? And then all of a sudden, I'm Johnny on the spot. And that's kind of how it is with God if we're not careful. Here's what I want you to do. And we go, yeah, I'll get to that. But here's what I need from you, and here's what I have for you, and I want you to, yeah, yeah, God, I'm, I'm going to get to that. And pretty soon we see someone else doing it, and we say, I was going to do it. And God says, next time, just do it a little more quickly. Because I'm interested in what interests him. I want to do it quickly. I want to make sure I'm on the spot. Can you say amen? amen. Listen, it goes on to say this. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I love that. Well-formed. Now, as I close, this scripture was said in this order on purpose because I'm convinced the one thing that we lack if we're not careful is the renewing of our minds and setting our minds and our affections upon the things that interest God. He said those who are spiritually minded are busy with spiritual things. And so we know from those spiritual things, we reap blessings, we reap life. And that's the importance. And we can say, yeah, but we don't do it for that reason. You're right. We don't do it for that reason. We do it because we love him enough that we're still hanging on every word he speaks, that we're still doing everything he wants and has for us to do. Can you say amen? amen. Let's keep an eye on our intimacy with God, our much needed rest. And let's remain interested in what interest him. Years ago, I heard this story. There was a young man in the church that became born again. He lived a rough life and his name was Jim. He worked not far from the church and every day at his lunch hour, he would sit down in the middle of the auditorium. He'd come in and sit down and the pastor would walk through and he'd hear him by himself saying, Jesus, this is Jim. Jesus, this is Jim. Jesus, this is Jim. The pastor was curious and after couple few months of this, he asked Jim one day, he said, Jim, can I ask you a question? You, you come to the auditorium every week, you sit down during your work hour and 
You simply sit there and you repeat the words, Jesus, this is Jim. Jesus, this is Jim. Why, why exactly do you do that? He said, well, pastor, it's like this. This life really gets busy and it can really get me down. And me just coming in here for that work hour, that lunch hour I have and saying, Jesus, this is Jim, it reminds me of what's really important in my life. Well, all of a sudden, some time passed and Jim had a terrible accident. They didn't expect him to live. The pastor ran to the hospital. As he got there, there was doctors around everything. And when the pastor got there, Jim motioned for them to leave. He wanted some time alone with the pastor. So they all left and Jim called the pastor at the bedside and said, Pastor, a while ago when I was here, they thought I was dying. They thought I wasn't gonna make it. And the pastor said, Jim, you're right, they did. He said, but pastor, I knew I was gonna be all right. And he said, how'd you know? He said, because in the middle of me closing my eyes, all of a sudden I heard this voice and what it said was, Jim, this is Jesus. Jim, this is Jesus. Are we intimate enough with him that when we need him, because we've been giving him, that we'll hear that voice? That we'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Come on, that, that he's got us. How many knows he loves you? He loves you with a love that's unfathomable. He loves you with a love that you can't measure. But that love, come on, we gotta stir that thing. We gotta make sure. Sometimes we feel numb. Sometimes we feel afraid. Sometimes we feel frustrated. During 2020, maybe there's all kinds of stuff that's been getting on your nerves. And you might say, yeah, but that person or that thing's on my last nerve. Well, that thing or that person's not the problem. The problem is, why do you only have one nerve left? It's because you have a lack of margin. It's because you're not paying attention to your schedule because your intimate time with God has been absorbed with other things that are less important. And what he's saying is what I'm interested in is your heart, your life. I have good life for you, good things for you. All I need you to do is cut in. Come on, y'all with me. Psalm 4610, look at this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm, here's the important thing about this scripture, it's written during a time of war. What it's saying is stop fighting. Another translation says, stop striving and know, the word know there means become acquainted with the fact that I am, I am. Get to know him, spend time with him, be strong in him, confident in him. Let him have the first part of your day, the first part of your calendar, the first part of your schedule, the first part of your finances. Let him be the king upon the throne of your heart. A lot of your frustrations will go away. So we have to remember, Satan can't make us bad, but he can certainly make us busy. We are too blessed to be stressed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. God, I pray that every person here would know just how much you love them, how much you mean to them. God, the affection you have for them is un unmeasurable. It can't be compared to anything else. Father, we thank you. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, people are praying. Maybe here you can say, Pastor Kevin, I know Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to heaven. My salvation is sure. But while you were speaking today, I could feel the Holy Spirit dealing with my heart, talking to me about my frustrations, speaking to me about my lack of margin, talking to me about how my time is wasted, speaking to me about how I'm not interested much in the things he is interested in. And maybe, although you're born again, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you during this talk, 
and you want prayer for that, in a way of asking for prayer, I'm gonna ask you, would you just sip your hand up and right back down? Come on, good, 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 thank you. Come on, thank you, good, good. You can put them right back down, thank you. So many hands, thank you, you can put them back. Thank you, ma'am, thank you, sir, good. Father, I just pray for every one of these individuals that lifted their hands. And God, those maybe that's being resistant to you'd open their hearts, that they won't leave here like they came in Jesus' name, but they'll be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Holy Spirit, in the coming weeks, months, and even years, remind them of this moment, remind them of this day that they've said, never again will I go back. Never again will I allow time to absorb my time from him. Never again will I lose interest in the things he's interested in. Now, one more question before we go. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? I'm not asking you if you went to church as a child, you were baptized as a baby, or if you're a good person. Those are not means of salvation. The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all come short of God's best. Goes on to say, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. In the Old Testament, that's why they would take a lamb, the firstborn lamb, known as the spotless lamb, lamb without blemish. They would sacrifice that animal. The high priest would take the blood from that animal sacrifice and offer it in ceremonial fashion for the forgiveness of the people's sins. It would cover their sins for one year, and they'd have to do it every year. But because a man sinned, ultimately a man would have to die. That's why Jesus came to earth. He lived a sinless life. That's why he's referred to as the spotless lamb of God. At the end of his life, they led him to a cross where they crucified him, spilling out his blood. They buried him, but three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death because he loved us that much. His blood doesn't cover sin. His blood erases sin, obliterates sin, past, present, and future. Here's salvation, the book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What does it mean to be saved? Saved from empty life in this earth, that void, that chasm, that emptiness you've had in your heart? Maybe through the years you've tried to fill with drugs or alcohol, parties, relationships, business, money, career, hobbies, busyness, but you still say there must be more to life than this. And there is, but it's not something, it's someone, his name is Jesus. He's the only one that can fill that void. Secondly, he's saved into a place called heaven. When this life is over, it's heaven or hell. I'm not trying to scare you. Hell wasn't created for you. Heaven's created for you. Heaven's a perfect place. No more sickness, no more disease, no more pain. By the way, no more viruses. And there's love, joy, peace in the presence of Jesus with those that you love and those you influence to go with you. But you must confess Jesus as your Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father which is in heaven but by me. So once again, while people are praying, heads are bowed. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you right there where you're at, like I prayed for the others. But if you're here right now, you need to make your life right with God. You need Jesus as your Lord. You want to know that heaven is your future. Come on, would you just slip your hand up and right back down. Slip it up, right back down. God bless you, there's one. God bless you, there's two. God bless you, there's three. Is there another? You can slip it up where I can see it. God bless you, there's four. Is there another? You'll just say, Pastor Kevin, God bless you, there's five. Is there another? Is there another? You'll say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. Pray for me. Include me in that prayer. Come on, is there someone else? You'll say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. Will you join these five? Is there anyone else right now? All right, I'm gonna pray this prayer. And I'm gonna ask you that lifted your hand to repeat this prayer with me out loud, not by yourself. Everyone here that is born again, I'm gonna ask you to say it with them. Come on, let's all say it together. Father, come on, everyone together. Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died on the cross. He was buried and rose again. Jesus, I confess you now 
as my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me for my sin. Make me new. From this day forward, I place my life completely in your hands. And I place myself in a local church to learn more of you, that through greater knowledge of who you are, I will grow in deeper love with you. In Jesus' name. Come on, welcome these to the family of God, church. Come on, church, celebrate. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.